Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening to this program every week at this same time. Uh, last week we were talking about four areas that we're going to be judged in on the judgment day. Uh, of course, there's probably more areas we could talk about, but let's talk about these four. We've been talking about this for two or three weeks, and we've already talked about how that on the judgment day, we're going to be judged based upon our doctrine. We're going to be judged based upon our doctrine. We're also going to be judged based upon our morality. We've been over that in the last couple of weeks. And we talked about, on doctrine, we talked about, well, what about, you know, churches that sprinkle babies for baptism? And we, we proved from Romans 6 and Acts 8, that baptism should be immersion of believers. We talked about morality. And then we talked about gay marriages and adulterous marriages. We showed that from Romans 1 that gay marriage is, is sinful. We showed from Matthew 19, 9 that second or third marriages that violate what Jesus said in that verse are adulterous. We talked about how you have to have the right morality on the judgment day. We're going to be judged based upon our doctrine and our morality. And number three... On the judgment day, we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we were willing to help those who were less fortunate than we are. You know, perhaps the longest passage in the Bible on the judgment day is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And the emphasis there in that text is helping others who are less fortunate than we are. The point is, when we help them, the, the less fortunate, we are in effect helping Christ. And we'll be saved. We'll be considered the sheep on the judgment day. We'll go to eternal life. But if we refuse to help those who are less fortunate than we are, we'll be the goats. In effect, we're refusing to help Christ, and we're going to go away into everlasting punishment, according to verse 46. That's the judgment day. The longest passage about the judgment day, perhaps, and its emphasis is on helping others. Are we really helping others like we should? Let's look at some other passages that help us to see that we ought to help others less fortunate than we are. How about Ephesians 4.28? Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. You know, so there's at least two reasons we work. We don't steal to get our food, to get what we need. We work to get what we need, to get our food, clothing, shelter. But we also work to help others so we can give to those who are in need. That's the point of Ephesians 4. Are we doing that? We can't, we can't really claim to be a faithful Christian unless we're helping others. That's going to be one of the major things that we're going to be judged on on the judgment day. How about James 1.27? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So one of the things we need to be doing is visit, visiting the fatherless and widows. And how about Galatians 6.10? It says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So we're to try to do good to others, especially those who are of the household of faith. Christians, help everybody, but especially help Christians. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give us a call at 877 655 6755-877-655-6755. And then the fourth area I want to talk about that we're going to be judged based upon is this 
thing I call personal evangelism. We see this idea in Acts 8, 1 and 4. Let me read those two verses jutted together. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen's death, and at that time there's a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Did you see that? All of the church was scattered abroad, except the apostles. And then it says in verse 4, those were scattered abroad went everywhere, went everywhere preaching the word. This would show that every Christian has a responsibility to try to get the gospel, share the gospel with others. That means every man, woman, and youth, if you're a Christian, you have a job to do. You have a job to get out and try to spread the gospel. Teach others to the best of your ability. Make as, get as many Bible studies as you can. That's the job. You go everywhere preaching the word. Christians are supposed to do that. We find that in Acts 8, 1 and 4. Chris from Massachusetts, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I wanted to know, my question is about um, the mark of the peace. I wanted to know, um, is it possible... Is it, is it possible to take the mark of the beast by accident? And, and, and um, how will we know when we're, when, when we're being enforced, when it's being enforced? So Romans 13, verses 15 through 18, talks about the 666 and the mark of the beast. Okay, Chris, that's Romans 13. All right, okay. follow me so far? Yes. Now, I want you to read with me. I don't know if you have your Bible with you, but if you read with me, we're going to see what the book of Revelation says about itself. When it was it going to be fulfilled? So the book of Revelation is a prophecy, but when was it to be fulfilled? Well, Chris, let me read to you Revelation 1.1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Did you see in the very first verse of the book of Revelation, Chris, it says the things that he's writing about, the things that he's prophesying about are to shortly come to pass. You see that, Chris? I don't have a Bible in front of me, but I'm listening. Chapter 1, verse 3, the third verse in the book of Revelation says, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. At hand either means close by in physical locality or in time. In this case, it's talking about in time. So the events that the book of Revelation is prophesying about, they're to be in the future from when the book was written, but they're to they're at hand. They're shortly to come to pass. That's two verses in chapter 1. And then in chapter 22, the last chapter, we see the same thing. Verse 6 says that he said unto me, these th sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. We're not talking about 2,000 years later. We're not talking about our day and age. The book of Revelation was fulfilled in the first century time frame. Shortly after it was written, it's a prophecy about things that would come to pass shortly after the book was written in the first century time frame. Last chapter, verse 10 says... And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Meaning, 
the time is at hand, meaning shortly. So not 2,000 years later. So when we read about the mark of the beast and the 666 in Revelation 13, Chris, it's talking about something that was to occur in the first century time frame, like 1,900 years ago. So there's not going to be anything today, Chris, that's, that's the mark of the beast or the 666 because the book of Revelation was saying these things were going to happen shortly. They were, they're talking about things that happened in the first century time frame. Chris, does that make any sense? So, so in other words, um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was just, um, it's kind of, yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your call, Chris. Thanks for your call. And so, so the thing, the mark of the beast in Revelation 13, people want to make the mark of the beast in the 666 things today. I remember when I was maybe in college, you had Gorbachev of the Soviet Union. He had a big old birthmark on his forehead, and people said that was the mark of the beast. And, and Ronald Wilson Reagan had six letters in all three of his names. They said he's the 666. Of course, about every two or three years, they come up with something else that's the mark of the beast, something else that's 666. And nobody ever remembers the fact that they already said it was something and they were wrong. And they say something again, and they're wrong again, and they're wrong again. They keep being wrong about it. But, of course, we know from what the book of Revelation says about itself four times, twice in the first chapter, twice in the last chapter, it's a prophecy, but the things that it's prophesying about are shortly to come to pass. The time is at hand. Not 2,000 years later like we are now, something in the first century time frame. And it only makes sense. The book of Revelation is written to Christians who are being persecuted and say, hang in there. Relief is in sight. Well, if the things that are talking about were 2,000 years later, that wouldn't be any relief for the Christians in the first century time frame who were being persecuted. had to be something in that time frame so that those people could receive relief from the persecution they were facing. The book of Revelation was written to people in the first century time frame to talk about their problems. So it's not talking about our problems 2,000 years later. It's something to help them, and it did help them. Shortly to come to pass. The time is at hand. It was fulfilled in the first century time frame, including the mark of the beast and the 666. So when people say today that this is the mark of the beast, they talk about something today, or the 666, likely they're just making stuff up out of the blue to try to make a buck. Just remember that. People make up stuff out of the blue to try to make a buck. We don't know they're making it up. We think it's somewhere in the Bible that they got it from somewhere in the Bible, but they didn't. They made it all up to try to make some money. Don't believe them. The book of Revelation said all of the things prophesied in the book of Revelation in general were to be fulfilled in the first century time frame. Now, let's get back to talking about personal evangelism. That's one of the things we're going to be judged based upon. Now, in the judgment day, nobody's going to ask you about the mark of the beast or the uh, 666 because those things have already happened long ago. But the thing you are going to be judged upon is is going to be your doctrine, as we've been over, your morality, whether or not you were willing to help others, and as we're talking about now, whether or not you were trying to diligently, trying to get out and teach your neighbor. How about Matthew 28, 19, and 20, which we call the Great Commission? Jesus said there, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. I hear gospel preachers, Say a lot of times, well, this only applied to the apostles, but the verse itself inherent, inherently in the verse itself shows that it applies to more than just the apostles. He's talking to the apostles, all right. He tells them to go out and teach 
their neighbor, teach everybody, go in all the world and preach the gospel. And then once they baptize them, he says, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, which would have to include the great commission itself, the thing that he just said, to go out and try to teach all nations. That's then, therefore, it becomes incumbent upon every Christian to try to do his part, to try to get the gospel out to everybody. Personal evangelism, we call this. How about 2 Corinthians 5.11? It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we're out trying to persuade men, trying to get them to be faithful Christians. And if we're not, this says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. If we're not out trying to persuade men, then this verse implies you don't really believe in the terror of the Lord. You don't really believe the people who are wicked are going to go to the bad place because if you really believe they were going to go to H-E-L-L, you'd be out trying to persuade them. So if you're not out trying to persuade them, you must not really believe that. That's the implication. We're going to be judged based upon whether or not we got out and tried to teach the gospel to people. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. You want to get on the air with your Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. Bruce from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I never heard that last uh, response to the the mark of the beast. You mean we don't have to worry about that? That's all Right, so that's because, Bruce, I'm I'm showing no disrespect because what you've heard over and over and over again is by people who make stuff up to try to make money. So they'll say this in our society is the mark of the beast or this in our society is the mark of the beast. They're just making it up out of the clear blue to try to make money, Bruce. When we have four verses, two verses in the first chapter, two verses in the last chapter of the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, what it says about itself is that it's going to be fulfilled in the first century time frame. The time is that. Never heard of that. Yeah, that's right there. Yeah, look it up for yourself, Bruce. Go to your Bible, look up Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 and 3, and chapter 22, verse 6 and 10, and it'll prove it conclusively that all of these things were to be fulfilled in Revelation 13, the mark of the beast, and the 666, they were all to be fulfilled in the first century time frame. Go look it up for yourself, Bruce. It's right there in the Bible, okay? I will look it up, and I have my Bible study tomorrow night. All right, thank you for your call, Bruce. So we've talked about over the last two or three weeks how we're going to be judged based upon our doctrine. We're going to be judged based upon our morality. We're going to be judged based upon whether or not we were willing to help others. And we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we were diligently trying to teach the lost as we have opportunity. All four of those areas and perhaps more, we're going to be judged based upon on the judgment day. Now, so here's the point I want to make at this point. Just because we live a moral life, that doesn't mean we can ignore doctrine. I think I know a lot of denominational people that that think like that. They live a moral life, but they never think about whether or not what they're believing and hearing and practicing is is the right doctrine. When John John 8, 32 says, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Talking about being made free from sin. So you got to follow the truth to be saved, to be made free from sin. But a lot of denominational people think, well, they just don't even think doctrine's important at all. As long as you believe in Christ, they think so. So they think it's kind of like if I live a moral life and I've got a past and I can ignore doctrine, you can't do that. And just because we're sound doctrinally 
and morally doesn't give us a pass on either helping others or personal evangelism. I think I know a lot of Christians like that. They're, they're sound doctrinally, and they live a moral life, and they think that's good enough. I'm, I've got the right doctrine. I live a moral life. But they pretty much just, just ignore their responsibility to try to help those who are less fortunate than they are, and especially to try to get out and try to teach the lost. And I guess they think they're just going to get a pass on the judgment day that as long as, even though the Bible teaches we're going to be judged in all four of those areas, that as long as they're doing good in two of the areas, areas, then the other two don't really matter. But I'm here to warn you, you're going to be judged in all four areas. Just because you're sound doctrinally and just because you're living a good moral life doesn't mean you don't have to help others. It doesn't mean you don't have to try to teach the gospel to the lost. We're going to be judged in all four of those areas. And I've proven that in the last two or three programs. So I know a lot of Christians like that. And then just because we do a lot of helping others, that doesn't give us a pass on being diligent in personal evangelism. I think I know some people like that. They do a lot of good work in helping others. And that's really good. But then they don't spend any time at all trying to do personal evangelism. They think they're going to get a pass. You know, because I'm doing, I'm good in one area. I'm getting a pass in another area. That's not the way it's going to work on the judgment day. You're going to be judged in all four areas. Here's another one. Just because we're diligent in personal evangelism, that doesn't mean we don't have to help others physically. And I think I know a few people like that. They're very diligent with their personal evangelism, but they don't ever try to help those who are less fortunate than they are. They don't. And just because we're active in charity work or evangelism, that doesn't give us a pass on doctrine or morality. I know, I have a friend, a high school friend that's like that. He does a whole lot of work in charity work, in evangelism. But I don't think he thinks it's that important what your doctrine is. You know, I don't think he ever thinks about doctrine because he's been led to think that doctrine's not important. He thinks he's going to be judged based on what he did as far as helping others and doing evangelism, which he's real good in those areas. But he doesn't try to make sure he's got the right doctrine. And some people don't try to make sure they're living a moral life. They may be in their second or third marriage that both, all these marriages violate Matthew 19, 9. And they think, I'm going to get a pass on morality. God's not going to mind that I've gotten two or three divorces and things like that. Even though Jesus said those are adulterous marriages, they think God's going to overlook that because, well, they do a lot of charity work and they do a lot of evangelism. Christians have to be diligent. In all four areas, all four areas, doctrine, helping others, morality, personal evangelism, Christians have to be diligent in all four areas to receive a favorable judgment on the last day. You don't get a pass on any of those things. You can't say, okay, I'm doing all this other stuff. I'm living, I've got the right doctrine. I'm living a moral lifestyle. Therefore, it's up to somebody else to preach the gospel to other people. You can't do that. You can't say, well, I'm preaching the gospel to other people and I've got the right doctrine. I don't have to help other folks. You can't do that either. And there's probably actually more than just four areas here, depending upon how you classify things. But I thought we would emphasize these four areas. If you want to receive a favorable judgment on the judgment day before God, you're going to have to be sound doctrinally. You're going to have to be living a good moral lifestyle. You're going to have to be be very active in trying to help those who are less fortunate than you are. And, and that gets about everybody in the United States. We're all filthy rich compared to people in, in the third world countries. And you're going to have to be out trying to be very diligent and trying to spread the gospel to the lost. I mean, like we read in 2 Corinthians 5.11, 
knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. If we're not out pretty much constantly trying to persuade men, then that implies that we really don't believe in the terror of the Lord. We don't really believe people are going to be lost. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Let's look at about two or three passages that talk about the judgment day. Acts 17.31, it says, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. There's going to be a judgment day. We're all going to be judged based upon what the scriptures teach. Second Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. A lot of people think, oh, and a lot of believers think this, we're just going to be judged on the judgment day based upon whether or not we believed in Christ. And that's all. No, this teaches that we're going to be judged on the judgment day also based upon what we did in our body according to what we did, whether it was good or bad. Don't think on the judgment day at all that the only question that's going to be asked is, did you believe in Jesus? No, it's going to be a whole lot more than that. You got to believe in Jesus. You got to have the right doctrine. You got to live a moral lifestyle. You got to be active in personal evangelism and helping those less fortunate than we are. You're going to be judged based upon your obedience. Let me read that from Revelation 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. This is the judgment day. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. So yes, we're going to be judged based upon whether or not we believe in Jesus, John 3, 16. But we're going to be judged based upon so much more than that. This says we're going to be judged based upon our works, whether or not we're obedient to Jesus. Let's read some other passages to help us to see that. How about Matthew 7, 21? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So the only ones going to heaven, according to Matthew 7, 21, are the ones that do the will of the Father in heaven. So if you're a believer in Christ, but you're not obeying Christ, you're not going to go to heaven, according to Jesus in Matthew 7, 21. How about 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8? It says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to avoid the flaming fire vengeance from God and everlasting destruction of verse 9, this says you got to know God, believe in him confidently, trust in him, but you, that's not enough if that's all you can do. If that's all you do, you also have to obey the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8. How about 1 Peter 1, 22? Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Of course, Acts 15, 9 says we're going to be, says our hearts are purified through faith. Our sins are going to be purified if we have faith, but this says our sins are going to be purified. We're going to be purified from our sins if we obey the truth. So it also takes obedience, not just belief. And it has to be obeying the truth, not false doctrine. How about Mark 16, 16? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You see how it takes both belief and obedience? We're not just going to be judged based upon whether or not we believe in Jesus. We're going to be judged based upon whether or not we follow Jesus's teachings. How about John 14, 15? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, 14, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So people talk about having a relationship with Jesus. Well, you got to have a relationship with Jesus. 
And you got to do what he commands to be his friend, to have a relationship with him. If you're not obeying him, then you don't love him and you're not going to be his friend, according to those passages. Galatians 5, 6 says, Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. The thing that avails is faith which works, motivated by love. you got to have that. 1 Peter 1, 17, And, you, and if you call on the Father, who, who without respect of persons, judgeth according to every man's work. On the judgment day, we're going to be judged based upon not only did we believe in Christ, but we're going to be judged based upon our works. Did you obey Christ? If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. A free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience. Call or text me at 256-682-9753. Appreciate you listening tonight. Appreciate the good calls. Be sure and listen next week at this same time. And don't forget Revelation 22.14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city.